All right, welcome to another night of Sunday Poor Movie Night. Uh, we just uh, we're just watching a little football, but we're talking some Gremlins. I don't know. Is a new American classic, old American classic? Is it a classic? It's been a long time since we watched it, so let's jump right in. Ant, how you doing? What the, what are you drinking? And what did you think about Gremlins this time around? Uh, Cam Newton stinks, and I love it. First off. <laughs> Secondly, I have a little vodka, rocks here, red cup in it. Nice. Looks good. And uh, number three, first, all right, first off about Gremlins, I think I remember Gremlins 2 more for some reason. Yeah, it came Do out. Do not know why. It came out in, I think, 90, so like six years after this. More recently, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was the heavy rotation on, you know, on cable when you were coming of age there. Could have been. And I read that. It wasn't your traditional – they kind of poked fun at it, how sequels are cash grabs. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is pretty good to have a little self-awareness. Um, I got to say, it's the first time in a really long time I saw Gremlins and I barely remembered any of it. Uh, and I remember why it took me so long to revisit it. I think it's just a piece of crap, that movie. Come on. That's like <laughs> – It's like – That is just – cheesy even for the 80s no that's why that's the 80s is all cheese though yeah but like back to the future's cheesy but back to the future is a classic what were you what were you expecting though i mean it's a bunch of animatronic gremlins running around town i mean the acting in it is terrible that lead kid is just the Uh, worst yeah we'll get to him because that one thing that would have helped me that was the one complaint i had with that movie was he didn't get offed and that Phoebe Cates actually went for him. Like, it was atrocious. He was bad, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Give me some Michael J. Fox. Maybe it gets elevated a couple points. <laughs> yeah, something. I, I, all I read was, like, Spiel- Emilio Estevez. All I read was, like, Spielberg loved him because he thought there was chemistry between him and Phoebe Cates. It was, like, I guess in the screen test, he, like, he looked at him and he said, look, he's already in love with her. It's perfect. I mean, what – fucking 20 year old kid wasn't in love with Phoebe Cates in 1984 she's the most beautiful woman in the world at that point yeah uh, what they're uh what they're thinking ah oh, man I, I mean I, it was exactly what I expected I don't know what you were looking for it, it's exactly what I expected to be I was looking for that cheese I was looking for I mean heavy doses of uh uh just be, being able to kind of see exactly what was coming and still kind of reveling in it I mean this was like 80s heavy hitters like up and down that's why you know, it was it, – that's why it was such a big, big hit back then. It was Spielberg produced it. Christopher Columbus wrote it. You got Corey Feldman is in it. You get an appearance. That was my other complaint was not enough Judge Reinhold. You just fell off in the second half of the movie. Wasted him. Wasted Judge Reinhold. Uh, criminally wasted him, yeah. That was – yeah. I mean, you put him in a movie and you teased me with him and I was waiting for him to come back and – get you know some hor- horrifying death scene as like the the i don't know just a snotty bully would should get didn't get that yeah. it was pointing no instead they got it off uh mayor clarence royce yeah and the old lady too yeah the old lady yeah, yeah. and her little electric chair yeah yeah uh who to you other than the, the lead actor who was atrocious to you who was uh the bad guy of the movie the father. Wow, the father? That guy's just trying to just trying to make make ends meet. 
trying to change the future. Just trying to change. It all started in Chinatown. I mean, if anything, it's the little boy's fault for sneaking out and ripping the guy off for two hundred bucks for a thing that can can do what a gremlin can do. True, but he's a kid. He doesn't know any better. He's trying to make his grandfather a few bucks. He doesn't know any better. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say the. If, if anything, the father's inventions aided in helping, uh, you know, in helping his wife survive. The wife is one of the heroes of the movie, and she's there was something to, off about her though. I mean, yeah, just kind of whistling. There was a family dynamic there, like something <laughs> happened that we didn't see off screen. Yeah, she buried it deep down inside of her, and she took it out on the gremlins, basically. Yeah, yeah, it was brewing. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that woman, but she had a little bit of. Uh, yeah, it's it's like maybe she lived in like the Shining House or something, and then she was just trying to forget it. And this was like her next adventure, her next terror, or whatever. Yeah, could have been something from a childhood. I don't know. Uh, yeah, did you pick up? This came out the same year as Temple of Doom. Yeah. Yep. And he had at right at the beginning they had. Um, a couple Indiana Jones references right out of the gate, which was weird because I don't think Temple and Doom had come out yet. It was almost like Spielberg was plugging his, you know, next project because he was only ex- executive producer on this. Whereas Indiana yeah. uh, Temple of Doom was like his, you know, he's director and all that. He's big shot in that. Mm. Uh, they had the Rick Rockin, Ricky Rialto guy with the hat, guy in the radio. You saw the billboard. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, the real Don Steele. Yeah, whatever it was. Well, that's his. That's he's a real. That guy's a real DJ. In oh, he the was sixties and seventies. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in LA, he's fe- in he's a- fe- he's featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a lot. Oh, oh, all right. So, yeah. And then also, I don't know if I'm looking too much into this, but at the beginning, when the father goes into Chinatown, into the little place, he's got the hat on. Yeah, a little Asian kid with a Yankee hat. <laughs> in the Asian short round from Temple of Doom, I yeah. was like, so that that I was like. When I was watching the beginning of this movie, I was like, this is like Temple of Doom callbacks. But I was like, Temple of Doom came out the same year. It was like Spielberg was throwing out foreshadowing to his next movie. Because I think Gremlins came out a few months before. Yeah, there was a, the, a little bit of what I read about the movie was that there's a lot of, and even just watching it, there's a lot of callbacks and a lot of uh, honoring older movies. But Spielberg definitely worked his own stuff in there. I mean, there's a nod to E.T. towards the end of the movie. Uh, where like Gremlin is hiding behind an ET doll in the department store. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on that. And uh, yeah, so I mean, and then and then like everything with the Cary Grant movie that they're watching, and Gizmo kind of reenacts it in his his climactic scene, uh, and like the race car. Oh yeah. Um, and the kids' room, I guess. There's a lot of stuff which I didn't catch up on. I didn't catch on just posters and shit like that that are just nods to. Uh, and of, and of course. Uh, well, she she was watching a It's a Wonderful Life. The mom mm-hmm. was watching It's a Wonderful Life, which just staring at It's a Wonderful Life in the kitchen as uh, you know, coffee machine is not working. Which, by the way, the father, who you have such a serious problem with, mm-hmm. invented the Kerrig before the Kerrig was invented. Didn't quite work yet, but he had it down. He had the exact thing down. It was a one single serve coffee thing and uh, just made sludge <laughs> instead. You're not a Keurig guy, though, so... <laughs> that's true i am not yeah <laughs> point taken yeah but uh um, I, I, yeah i use a keurig when i can uh well no you know what the biggest problem i have and i don't 
want to, I'll, I'll skip ahead to the end here. Yeah. The fact that he shows up at the end when like all the chaos is basically over. Was that? He just gets away scot-free. Out of nowhere too. I don't know where he came from. I don't know. He was coming back from some uh, invention <laughs> convention. Is that a thing? Invention convention? <laughs> In a snowstorm. And he shows up like, what the hell happened? It's like, you, you asshole. You caused all this. You did this. No, uh, I see. I, I don't. I won't blame the father. To me, the bad guy is the science teacher, who's up until three in the morning doing experiments on this thing at the school, and then has it like it's going through its metamorphosis at the school where there's a bunch of kids. It could, it could have been a lot worse disaster if he just was lucky timing wise with when those eggs hatched. I mean, that thing was hatched in a school. Could have just taken over, eating kids up and down. That guy's I still a, say the, fa- the father murdered Clarence Royce. His blood is on his hands. I, just, I, I can't. I can't. And, no, no, not for nothing. Who looks at a furry little bastard like that? Little fucking creature. And it's like, oh, my son will love this. Who well, would who, say that? Who needs? Who sees a furry little creature like that and says, I need to poke this thing with needles and take its blood and we'll do crazy experiments on it. Eating a sandwich. He's a scientist, though. They live for that shit. He's a psychotic scientist. He's a maniac. What are you, what are you doing, man? You, you got to do a little bit of research. I don't even have Google, but you got to do a little bit of research before you can start, you know, pulling blood from this thing. It was the, it was the 80s, man. There wasn't, there's was no smartphones. There's no internet. You just get your hands dirty. I think you still got to make a phone call, at least. I mean, go in the phone book and find out, you know, if, if any of your scientist buddies know what this is. I mean, he's working with Corey Feldman and the worst lead actor in the history of movies as his two main helpers. I don't think so. Oh, can we bring that up? Why is he? Why is this kid hanging out with Corey Feldman? A lot younger. <laughs> I guess that was Corey, weird. I guess Corey Feldman was cut out of ET, and okay. so Spielberg gave him a role in this one, and he just happened to whatever. He was like the neighbor's friend. Yeah, really weird. The age difference is strange. Uh, the kid's not even in height. Yeah. That's the other thing. The kid's not even in high school. He's a bank teller, lives at home, brings his dog to work. That kid's got a lot of problems. The, the father's hustling. I got to give the father some credit. He's hustling. He's trying to, you know, trying to make a few bucks, trying to make ends meet, doing the best he can to come up with the next thing. If he could make a big seller, ashless, you know, uh, c- cigarette tray, whatever. Yeah, smokeless. A smokeless ashtray. Thank you. Can't be ashless. Can't do the ashless. Um, <laughs> But I mean, yeah, the the kid. I mean, he's he's a he's a bank teller. He's living at home. He's getting picked on by customers, by the by the bank manager, by his coworkers. Judge Reinhold, yeah, yeah, bad stuff. I I think I, I really think Phoebe Cates dropped the ball, though. I mean, the Judge Reinhold character had a lot going for him. New apartment. New apartment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's um, yeah. There's a little. It's a little weird that Corey Feldman's hanging out with that kid. That's probably. I don't know, two and a half times his age. It was uh, our imitating life because he was actually getting, not to get crass, but he did get diddled a little bit as a kid. That's the story, yeah. yeah. Was it Michael Jackson or was it someone else? Uh, I don't know if it was Michael Jackson, to be honest with you. Because Michael Jackson pulled the ultimate con where he kept famous kids around who he didn't molest. Yeah, brilliant con. Brilliant. As like witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Because to this day, Macaulay Culkin says never touched them. Yeah, Michael Jackson, one of the smartest pedophiles ever. Resor- he was resourceful. Let's not say smart. He was resourceful. 
He was. He used what he was. He used what he had at his disposal. Oh, and back to the Indiana Jones thing. I did look a little bit into that. Gremlins and India and Temple of Doom did change the rating system. Yeah, this was yeah, you can't PG thirteen, and I guess some parents didn't realize it, and they brought their kids to the movie, thinking it was like a fuzzy. I didn't look at the trailer and stuff, but I guess I mean I don't know. It wasn't that bad. The stuff. No, the worst parts was was the mother in the in the kitchen, and she sta- she stabs one, uh, she puts one into like the juicer. Yeah, I mean they are ugly little creatures. Yeah, when they when they come out of their shell, when they stop being fuzzy and they go through the cocoon thing, they are ugly little bastards. Uh, and then she puts one in the microwave. Got to get rid of that microwave, yeah, tomorrow. No, uh, yeah, you don't. She's the, she's the hero, and to, and Phoebe Cates is the other hero. And then Gizmo is hero number three. If you if it's like a hockey game and you're giving out the three stars, those are my three stars. The mother one. The mother two. The mother. The kid. Uh, Phoebe Cates two. And Gizmo, I don't know if this is the right order. And Gizmo is the third one. Well, but the only, my only problem with Phoebe Cates is why was she serving them at the dive bar? I mean, it's just customers. It, customers come in, you serve them. You don't, you don't ask questions. Wait, you think those things are going to leave a tip? Probably not. But maybe, they, I don't know what happened to the owner. The owner's not around. Maybe they off the owner. And oh, I'll tell you what was the most disturbing thing that should have made this movie a, a rated R. <laughs> is Phoebe Kate's story about her finding her father in the chimney. That threw me for such a loop. I'm like, Jesus, trying to watch a nice movie over here. You know, all right, it's 80s, it's cheesy, it's not my favorite, but that got so dark. I thought it was hysterical. I thought it was funny as shit. Broke his neck dressed as Santa Claus. We didn't find him until weeks later because we smelled him. Holy shit. Yeah. I thought it was hysterical. Maybe I maybe I read it wrong. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I thought it was comedy. <laughs> it, it affected me deeply. I was like, "Geez," because I was I was ready to get all over her at the beginning, saying she doesn't celebrate Christmas. I'm like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "Geez, you don't celebrate Christmas?" Okay. And I was gonna I was gonna say to the kid, "I can't get involved with the chickens and celebrate Christmas." But after hearing that story, you know, I, you may have to switch switch teams. Go uh, go Hanukkah or something. Hey, a lot of less, lot less pressure in the holidays if your girl doesn't celebrate Christmas. You don't have to worry about what you're going to get her. You're going to impress her. She's going to be pissed. You got the wrong thing. Is it too cheap? Is it the wrong size? You know? Yeah, as soon as she's got a man, she'll shake that shit right off and expect a gift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if no, anything, more pressure on him, man. He's got he's to make Christmas a special day after years of uh, PTSD. <laughs> you know? make, her, make her forget that, you know, all this imagery around her is going to remind her about her father's broken neck. <laughs> yeah, you go house shopping, you can't buy one with a chimney. I'll tell yeah, you that. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. No, when she dropped that line, when she goes, and that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus, I, I cracked up, man. <laughs> I thought it was a little funny. Yeah, it's a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who, so who do you... Who do you root for in this movie then? You root for like the mother in that scene? You root for? Uh, I think Gizmo is who you root for because he, they kept him around really as the cute reminder of, you know, what could be if you just follow those three simple rules, which ridiculous rules, but uh, rules nonetheless. Ridiculous rules that they broke within like 12 hours. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. Corey Feldman... That dipshit spilling uh, water <laughs> on him right out of the gate. Honest mistake. 
And then uh, what were the other ones? Oh, the light. They let the light in. Yeah, that's, you know, but the sun could kill them if it's in light. And the, otherwise, it brightly just bothers them, which is, you know, pretty easy to. And Gizmo is no problem reminding you a little bright light. He can speak a little English. Bright light, bright light. And talk about 80s powerhouses, Ant. You know who the voice of Gizmo was, right? Howie Mandel. Yeah, phenomenal. Just, just using all the resources they had back in 1984 and getting Howie Mandel to do this. It's great. Yeah, um, Howie Mandel. But what, like, what was what – was, I still don't understand, like, the appeal of these little things. Like, if I showed up at your house with one of these things – and I was like, hey, look what I got. What were they called again? Magua. My, my, Maguas. Magua. They called them Miyagi's because they, they kind of looked like Mr. Miyagi. All right, yeah. And they did look a little Asian on the Asian side, and maybe because of the owner, too. Uh, so if I show up with, to your house with a Magui, whatever they're called, and I'm like, look, if you dip them, if you put a little water on them, he multiplies into five. You'd be like, I don't want one of these things in my house. Never mind six. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you got like I, we had a goldfish and you had to feed it like twice a week, maybe. And every once in a while, I'm like, shit, I forgot to feed the goldfish last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine having to keep something away from water. Not feeding after midnight seems like pretty easy, but they fucked up. Two people fucked it up simultaneously, amazingly. And uh, yeah, the sunlight thing, great. Just I'll see you at night, I'll stick you in the basement until then, I guess. But yeah, just the the rules themselves, they are cute little guys, a little more personable than I don't know, I'll say a dog or a cat or a fish. Uh could be, there could be some entertainment if you have one of those things hanging around, but it, it just the the pay like the uh the the risk of having that around is too much. Doesn't it doesn't meet the reward at all. No, those things are way too smart for their own good. And that was another reason I hated the father. I thought he had shit for brains. When he talks about these things being the future, that dogs are going to be obsolete. <laughs> That's fair. That's like somebody called somebody call PETA on this family too. Because if you go outside and you find your dog dangling by the Christmas lights, fighting for his life, for his life, as the mother, you can't be like, oh, well, we can't go pointing fingers. It's like, <laughs> ah, maybe we should make this a little bit of an investigation. Someone tried to Michael Vick your dog, lady. Like, Jesus. I go, they took that way too calmly. I'm glad they sent that dog on vacation. I hope he never goes back to that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, they were a little bit too calm uh, when that happened. That's like some psychotic shit. Uh, if, if you remember The Sopranos, when Petey the dog disappeared from the coach's house, that they, they, almost, they weren't going to move away. They were second-guessing where they're going to move away to take this new job because, you know, these guys got to hand, hand on their dog in a, in a locked house. They, these people are like, oh, that's just life in Kingstown, wherever the hell they live, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's, you, you, you got to be a little bit, uh, a little bit more protective of, you know, the family dog there. Say what you want about Coach Hauser. Is that his name, Coach Hauser? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. He did love his dog, though. Yeah. <laughs> a few other, he had a few other flaws, but. <laughs> yeah, speaking of pedophiles, yeah. Uh, yeah, talk about that, the, the father again. Uh, yeah, you, first of all, did you know he he's a pretty famous songwriter? His well, name, yeah, I did. I didn't do any research on the his, cast. I, I didn't recognize him though. His name? No, I didn't recognize him at all. His name is Hoyt Axton. Number one, his mother co-wrote "Heartbreak Hotel," and he wrote uh, like '70s hits like uh, "Joy to the World," Three Dog Night," "Never Been to Spain," another Three Dog Night," "The Pusher," "Steppenwolf," 
if you ever saw uh easy rider that's the first song i think that's the oh, first okay. song in, in easy rider uh yeah so and he had a couple guest appearances in 80s tv shows growing pains different strokes <laughs> I, but this is the only time i've ever seen him uh anywhere else the only guy I, there was not a lot of like casting questions for this movie yeah but, uh, the one guy that tried out for that role and they said nailed nailed it but they thought it was like too good for the role was the guy who played commissioner gordon in the in the michael keaton batman movie and they said like he killed his screen test but it was almost too good where they would make the movie about like this guy down on his luck inventor trying to make, get one final score like down and out on his career. <laughs> it's yeah. it too much of the guy and it been all about him. <laughs> but I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I could picture a mustache, right? Didn't Commissioner Gordon have a mustache in the first Batman? It sounds right. Yeah, sounds right. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's weird, it's weird that, because um, it is, I mean, it is a Christmas movie. It opens up with Christmas music right out of the gate. You get the Christmas feel right out of, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, tree shopping. And all that. I didn't really do much extensive research, but it's kind of a weird, uh, like, did they go into this thinking this is going to be a Christmas movie and we're going to center it around these flesh-eating gremlins? Or I, I don't know. It's a Christmas. I don't know if that was just like a back, like a happy accident or whatever, just a backdrop they went with because um, they needed a way to get this gremlin inside the house. And that was a Christmas gift was a way to do it. Um, yeah, I guess I'm you sure. could say that about a lot of Christmas movies, though. Like, the Red a lot Rider of movies have gun. Christmas as the backdrop, and they just happens to be a lot of shit going on. Yeah, this was yeah, that's fair. Um, no, but this this movie was released in June or July. It was released the same day as Ghostbusters. Um, so it was released. That's strange. Yeah, um, but actually, what a little bit what I read about it, and I think about it. Well, in regards to Christmas, was it's a little bit of uh, they, it's they didn't come out and like the, the creators didn't come out and say this, but people suspect that it's a little bit of like anti-Christmas, anti-consumerism, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. There's some there's some weird subliminal things going on here. This kind of takes a, a nod from older horror movies where there's some social uh, message, you know, buried below everything. Uh, if you, it's like if you hear about the gremlins and the machinery, foreigners and foreign made stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. There's, there's some there's some message in there. I don't know how much that it was thought into this. Um there's something I mean there's a there's a thing where at the police station, Gizmo has an American flag wrapped around him. Uh so, something to do with, with American I don't know, consumerism and capitalism. No, I didn't yeah, I didn't really look into that too much. I didn't pick up on that. I don't know, and, and then there's a there's also a scene where the priest just gives up uh, some dude, Mister Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's at the at the mailbox outside the church or something, and he hears like the rumbling inside the mailbox, and he's kind of eyeing it up. But then this guy, Mister Anderson, comes over, and the priest just kind of backs up. He's like, "I deliver some mail," and Mister Anderson's like, "Yeah, I am." And the priest is like, "Well, be my guest." <laughs> the guy gets eaten up. Uh, the guy's yanked into the mailbox or something. And it's pre oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's something about an organized religion, and I don't know, and or maybe it's just consumerism around the holidays. I don't know. Wow, who who knew that uh, Gremlins was this deep? 
Well, I don't know if it's, it's just speculated and it just kind of works itself into the plot or if it's intentional. I have no idea. The, the one thing about the gremlins themselves, really resourceful. Very resourceful little bastards. Smart. They pick up on shit real quick. I mean, they cut the phone lines like immediately. Like immediately they're, they're out. How about cutting the clock? Cutting the they clock. after feeding them yep. after midnight. They figure out how to drive a, a plow, which is, you know, stick shift plow. Not easy. Uh, to kill like my favorite character in the whole movie. Um, whatever his name was, but the, the one alcoholic guy in the movie. Oh, the, the like the World War II racist veteran? <laughs> I wasn't racist as much as he was just in like uh, foreigners. Um, yeah, he's... <laughs> listen, we don't know what he saw over there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, to get into the old lady's house, they were singing Christmas car- carols. Um, was that the old lady that hated the dog at the beginning? Yeah. That, that was the same lady? Because yeah. I was, yeah, I was debating that in my head because she looked different for some reason. But I was like, it's got to be the same lady. Yeah. Uh, they figured out how to work the movie reel in the theater. <laughs> and they figured, and they figured figures out how to use a chainsaw later on. I don't know how they, 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 they also figure out how to, uh, they find the pool at the Y. Yeah. And there's judge to take a dip and regenerate. Yeah. Cause yeah. Wasn't there like one of them left and he was like, well, there we go. Yeah, amazing. Really? Hail Mary it's, attempt here. Very intuitive. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's amazing to me that all the takes for them, they, they have a little snack after midnight and then they become the hell's angels. Like out of nowhere, they're at a bar pounding booze like singing, smoking three cigarettes at a time. Yeah, really yeah. Flashing Phoebe Cates. It was, it's like, was it's, it is, it is like uh, Bronx tale almost a little bit. Yeah. Except they take they over actually, the, they take they over the shape. Yeah. They, they took it over until they blew up. Yeah. Uh, it still baffles me why she was just sitting there. Like she, she was, she lit one of their cigarettes. He tried to, yeah. She was a bartender till the end, which I guess I give her credit for. But it, uh, in my head, I'm running for my life. Where's she going to run? There's nowhere to run to. Because they took over the whole town, you're saying? I, well, no, they took over the whole bar. I mean, she, can't, she couldn't possibly get out from behind the bar. She probably figured if she stepped out from out there, they're going to, you know, eat her alive. Uh, I think I would have tried to make a run for it. There's all, to me, if I keep serving these things booze, it's only a matter of time. It's a combustible situation. Well, maybe she's just buying time so she could figure her way out of it and let herself kind of go through the motions in her head and find out the best way to get out of it. That's probably right, she's it. coming up with the blueprint in, yeah. in her head. Yeah. 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 As it, as it, uh, yeah, again, she, she was resourceful like that. She was able to kind of keep them at bay. Uh, she figured, well, she tried to figure stuff out. The, the, the science teacher was unable to do that. Everybody else ends up getting killed. Her and the mother, the two that could actually be in the same room with gremlins and not get killed. The kid should have got his head sliced off. I don't mm-hmm. know. He had a miracle wooden baseball bat that stood up to a chainsaw. That's what saved him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just like, oh, great. He's not going to be in the sequel. Uh, but they yeah, couldn't figure out how to get that chainsaw you know, to his neck, unfortunately. But he had to go. Definitely. Had I rooted go. for the gremlins. I got to be honest, I rooted for the gremlins. They seemed like a good time. It really did. I, I would just have to, you know, introduce some cocaine to that and see if you're really nuts in that bar. Then, yeah, then you're talking about trouble. You're talking about some <laughs> serious trouble if you give these things cocaine. <laughs> but, I mean, they were, they, they were in the bar. They were pretty, pretty well-behaved. They are just like any normal bar patrons, really, I think. 
I mean, they were the people you'd expect to see at a dive bar like that on Christmas Eve at night. Yeah. Dregs of society. The yeah. gremlins. The gremlins yeah. of society. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't <laughs> think I was necessarily rooting for the – it wasn't like a Jimmy Conway thing where you're rooting for the bad guys because I don't think they were the bad guys. They, they didn't ask for this. It's very true. And on top of that, the, the town wasn't very likable. The people in the town weren't very likable. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Even like the Reinhold character was supposed to be unlikable. The people at the bank, nobody didn't like anybody there. No. Uh, school teacher, we talk about him. He's asking for Super Bowl tickets for a gift from his students. Uh, <laughs> the sheriff, was he likable? I can't remember. I did like him. You know, first, did you know who the, his deputy was? That was Airman Trout, right? Yeah, very young Mike Airman Trout. Yeah. Yeah, right. Before back when he was on the force, before he was an enforcer <laughs> for the cartel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was his early days for sure. Uh, yeah, I did. I did like him because he, first of all, he was drinking on the job. Nice work by him. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Eve. Eve, yeah. Um, and then when they're leaving, <laughs> they're leaving. Uh, deputy was like, "Why do you get to drive?" And he says, "The line was because I'm the sheriff, asshole." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not not a very quotable movie that was one of the good ones though no it's not a quotable movie uh yeah yep yeah oh, oh and also another thing i would add a little note here to go back on we talked about there's like underlining uh messages here there was also something about, to be said about race in this i think and this is just going by what i read uh, that some people accused the movie of using the gremlins as stand-ins for African-Americans. And there is a... It killed a black guy. The first person they killed was a black I know, guy. No, look, I know. People make pe people look for anything they can to, um, you know, kind of bring their cause to the light here. But there was, there was something... They, in, in, the, in some radio report during the movie... They talk about, they call them riots, call them riots downtown or whatever. And they talk about turning the hoses on them, which obviously riots and turning the hoses on them, that's, that's got a lot of African-American. So I think they have messages in there that they just don't, didn't know exactly what to do with it. And they just kind of threw them in there and hope they stuck. I mean, you know, they take, take it for what it's worth. But that's, I just. I, I, at one point, I was actually thinking about when they were wreaking havoc on the town, I was thinking about like Portland. You know, looting. That's mostly white goofballs, though. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. not really black people. Uh, oh, Cam just got drilled. Uh, yeah, but it did make it did make me laugh because thinking about how they're like tearing apart the town. But yeah, that's definitely a definitely a stretch. Yeah. No, no, I know, I know. I think I think everything I mentioned about those social issues is a, is a stretch. I mean, you'll you'll find some older horror movies that it's it's baked in there and it's known that was the message, uh, like. Um, Night of the Living Dead, that's, mm -hmm. got, that's got its own social issues at, at the heart of it. But, yeah, I think anything that's actually in this movie was is in there. Um, if it's incidental or if it was just, like I said, hoping that uh, something made sense to somebody watching it, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, oh, one guy we didn't mention for that 80s powerhouse lineup yeah. uh one of the one of the voices of the gremlins was michael winslow who's just uh oh really i did not realize that yeah i mean that guy Police he, academy he could have done like nine of them you know we would not have known 
What's Michael Winslow up to right now? That's a great question. I feel like I feel like a guy like with his talent should be should have lasting power. Yeah, why don't we see more of him? By the way, do you know who Phoebe Cates is married to? Kevin Klein. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I had a chance with her. But yeah, but she she's married to him, and that's what she retired from acting to to raise their kids. Yeah, that was it, right? She just a uh, little run in the eighties, and that was a wrap. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine, she got married to him. Looks like, and that was it. Gremlins two, she went out on basically. Yeah, she had a couple more after that, I guess. And Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein took the baton and ran with it. Did Dave? In and out. In and out. Yep, I know. I know it's Tom Selleck, mustacheless Tom Selleck. Uh, Michael I'll just. Michael Winslow is in. Listen, this might be something for next year, but he's in a a movie. That, that, I don't know. This is a little confusing how it's written here, but he's in a movie called A Wrestling Christmas Miracle. And a movie called The Truth About Santa Claus. Truth there you go. Another, another, uh, another uh, Christmas movie from Michael we, Winslow. Gremlins, Gremlins and now 36 years we might, later. We might have to do a Winslow, very Winslow Christmas. Although he doesn't seem to be starring in any of these. He is in, oh, look at this. This one, a wrestling Christmas miracle. Uh, we're not going to want to see it if I give you the description of it, but one of the co-stars in the movie, Todd Bridges. Wow, okay. Yeah, very nice. Todd Bridges, uh, for the second time today, we're mentioning uh, different strokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not in, he was in a Sharknado movie. Yeah, I never really watched any of those. Yeah. I know, I know the gimmick, you know. He was in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. That's oh, that was the Grand Theft Auto that I, that I, that was the only one that I really was invested in. Really? Yeah. I did two of those. I, that was the one, that's pretty much where I stopped. I didn't do San Andreas. Yeah, yeah San Andreas was, uh, you know, like Boys in the Hood, like LA. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So the, you did, what did you do? My, Vice City? Did you do Miami? I did well, yeah. I did Grand Theft Auto Three was the first one that I did, and then Vice City. I did Vice City was all they were both. Grand Theft Auto Three was where that where was that supposed to be Chicago? Uh, I think it was like a mix of northeastern cities, Chicago, New York. Not not, not Chicago's northeast, but I think it was a mix of big cities like cold cities. Did you ever play Max Payne? I did, yeah. Max Payne was a great. Max Payne was a disturbing game, but it was really, fun. really disturbing when you play it like by yourself at two in the morning, stoned out of your mind. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Like you were trying to avenge your wife and kids' murders, I think, right? Yeah, and you'd have yeah, and you'd have like these flashbacks to it, and uh, just I remember just completely black screens with <laughs> with like lines of blood that you had to follow, and a yeah. scre- and a screaming baby that was was going on the entire time you're trying to navigate through this little maze that really disturbing yeah <laughs> but a really fun game <laughs> great game it, yeah no it's hey it was max Payne. and there's you a have couple junkies of... attack at uh attacking you randomly yep. remember that yep. oh yeah yep that was a good one 
Are there any disturbing? I don't see. I haven't played a video game in a long time outside of sports video games. Yeah, I haven't played a video game in so long. I have no idea what the. I'm sure there's a bunch of them. I, like I see commercials like Assassin's Creed. That's a game, right? Isn't that like a popular game? I wouldn't do that one. No, neither would I. Unless my guy wears a tie, a trench coat, or uh, I don't know, some sort of detective's hat. I don't think I don't. I don't think I want to be a part of it. You want it to be organized. Leather jacket, something like that. I don't want to go. You don't want to be. You don't want to be savage. I don't want to be jumping through the woods with a sword. And I don't want to do a war game. The war games are too realistic now. Oh, I used to do war games back in the day. Medal of Honor. Yeah. Yeah. World War Two. Yeah, not for me. Well, Goldeneye used to do. Goldeneye was was great. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just do bring back Goldeneye? Can we just do that one? Let's just bring that back. Could definitely reboot Goldeneye. There's a there is a rumor or at least a hope online that. So on the Nintendo Switch, you can play old Nintendo games and old Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo games. Uh, if you're like a member of the Nintendo, whatever, you have a Nintendo subscription. So that's why I get access to all these. I get Super Mario and like a bunch of those kind of games I, I get to throw on once in a while. Uh, there's a rumor or a hope that they're going to do N64 soon and I'll be included and that GoldenEye will be included in it. So that's really all I'm holding on to right now with that, just waiting for it to be available. And, oh, yeah. GoldenEye is, like, widely considered the best N64 game probably ever. Has to be, yeah. Has to be. I mean, Mario Kart, GoldenEye. GoldenEye's better, yeah. Madden was good. But Madden's good everywhere. Yeah, ma- yeah, exactly. Madden's a, Madden's a franchise. You can get that. Yeah, Sega, life- like, Sega Madden is my wheelhouse, but, yeah. Lifetime Achievement Award for Madden, man. Right. It's like giving the MVP to LeBron every year. You can just give it to him every year. So exactly. Uh, yeah, I think I only had like a couple games on N64, and it was gold. Did you ever play Mission Impossible? No. Nope. Mission Impossible was the exact opposite of Goldeneye. It was more kind of get in and get out, kill kill a person here and there, and be discreet about it, and don't get caught. Yeah. Goldeneye was just just blow shit up. Take everybody with you. Put mines everywhere. Mines were fun. Yeah, I'm not, I, was, tank. I was never patient enough for mines. Mines were good if you were playing head to head. Plant them somewhere, and then you oh. you see on the screen when somebody walks in, and boom. As long as you remember, up. as long as you remember where they were. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you blow yourself up doing it. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to bring it back. Yeah. Uh, Right. I had a buddy. I had a buddy that was just the best at Goldeneye. Who? Friend of the program? Uh, Mike Paterzo. Oh. Incredible Goldeneye player. All right. I can see it. Oh, he's incredible. <laughs> incredible video ga- gamer, period. <laughs> Halo. like Halo was like well after my time. That He was like the best at Halo. I never even played the game. I just know he was great at it. Mm-hmm. I have, friend, uh, I have friends who still play – or not – I don't know if it's still or whatever. I don't even know how long it's been out for. But I have friends who play Call of Duty. Like uh, see, I never did. That's like war games, right? Yeah. But I guess it's like GoldenEye where they, they just go on like group missions. I don't know. I, they, they, they go online. you know online what Fortnite is? Could you like explain Fortnite? Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I actually tried it a couple of times. Not, it's, it's you just – they throw you into 
like a jungle basically. I mean, there's different things around, whatever. You could go into buildings and stuff like that, but it's like an island with a bunch of different sections to it. And you, I mean, it's just you have to pick up and go. I don't know how you get guns because I never figured it out. I just kept getting shot before I could get anything good. And I guess you can kind of build your character up and shit like that. But I never, I just got frustrated with it and just gave up. So it's not this shit. Oh, so you enter the Fortnite world with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's cross um, uh, systems. So you can play on PlayStation, you can play on the computer, you could play on Nintendo. And you can just, you jump in there and you're all kind of lumped in there. Oh. And you can play on your phone, which is, seems like unfair to me. But I could, be, I could be playing on my phone and some kid's got like this setup with this Xbox and this great, you know, this whatever, the best controller money can buy. Yeah. And, you know, night vision goggles or some shit, and I'm just kind of tapping away my phone like a like a moron. It seems like a lot of work. It was too okay. much work. Yeah, it was too much work. Uh, it's enough for me. I couldn't couldn't deal with it. That's my biggest problem with the video games today is they they, they take more time to load. I just want to hit start and go. That's why I'll never get back into like the modern day video game. Yeah, I just I'll, I'll go backwards. I'll get it into sixty four, Sega, something like that. Yeah. I just want to go. The Switch is pretty good. I mean, what am I what am I updating on it? You know, like Mario gets updated once in a while, but we play it enough, so it's not like I got to catch up on months of updates. They do updates. I don't like know. Every it's, time you log on, you got to update system it. System updates, and they take two seconds. Like I just I, I just did one the other day. Like I just uh, put it on and it takes two like it's two seconds resets the game. You're right back in. But yeah, just the, the loading the loading is too much for me. For for a generation of people who just need everything now, let's go, go, go right now, the loading of video games has to go. You would think that they would not stand for such inconvenience. Well, you're dealing with, you're, when you're playing on the internet, it's just the greater the technology, the more bullshit that's going to go into it. It's true. That's fair. I mean, and yeah, it's Bye. just not for me. 5G, you know, that's what 5G's for, right? Apparently. It's a, be- hey, it's a better gift than a gremlin. <laughs> so you, overall, you hated this movie. You're, you're pissed that I picked this movie? No, it was, I'll, I'm always down to watch, like, a different movie. It's just, it's, I'm not going to go back and watch this anytime soon. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's fair. The kid, the kid. The kid was atrocious. Takes you right out of it. A main character could kind of kill. Oh, yeah, if if the main character had a little more uh, star power, the word. Yeah, maybe star power. I guess is the word. Just Chari- better, Chari- better overall. Forget charisma, star power. charisma, acting talent. <laughs> yeah, all all of the above. <laughs> I think the movie is definitely elevated a few notches. That's fair. He killed it. I think he just killed it in in. Uh, Killed it not in a good way. I'll just say that. All right. It was not great. And he, he hasn't been really around since. I think he was in the sequel. And that's basically it. I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, we're not town scouts, but I think you're right. Would you so if if uh if if Judge Reinhold was a star, you're back tomorrow. You're sign me up again. I'll we'll watch it again next year. If Judge Reinhold is, is in the lead character's role? Yeah. It's definitely up a notch with Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Wasted talent, man. Wasted talent. Well, it was kind of – well, he had already done Fast Times. It's before uh, 
He was he was uh, in Beverly Hills, right? Beverly Hills Cop, yep. That's before this is before Beverly Hills Cop. Right. So yeah, I guess he was kind of established by then that he did they did kind of waste him. They kind of knew what they had and uh just flushed him down the toilet. Uh yeah, he was in a few yeah, he was in a few things. Uh before Remlins. Yeah, he had a nice eighties run as well. Uh what's his been- peak? Is it Beverly Hills Cop? Uh I don't know. I don't really remember Beverly Hills Cop that well. Was he was he a prominent player in that movie? I don't remember it as well either, but I just feel like you're opposite, you're acting opposite Eddie Murphy. It's got to be your peak if you're Judge Reinhold. Either that or Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I um I would lean I would lean Fast Times only because I like Fast Times a lot, but I mean, I don't know. I'd have to see I'd have, to, I'd have to revisit Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because uh, Fast Times was like really early on in his career. I don't, I don't want to say he peaked too early, but he probably did. <laughs> also in Stripes, I forgot about that. That was his second movie ever, Stripes, mm-hmm. which is a loaded cast. Yeah, yeah it's he, probably Be- – I mean, Beverly Hills, man, he got the sequel. He was probably, in the th- – and, and he was in the third one. That's – that's when he started really winding down. He did Beverly Hills Cop 3 in 94, and then the Santa Claus. He was the uh... – Neil Miller. Oh, yeah, we just had Santa Claus 3 on tonight. As uh, When I was finishing our work, I came down and it was on. I think I only saw the first one of that. Yeah. Tim Allen's in all of them? Yeah, yeah. In uh, 3, uh, Martin Short plays Jack Frost. He's the bad guy. Uh, I was going to say, where do they go up to Santa Claus 1? Because the first one is like... Okay, well, okay, so this did a little marathon on, so I caught a few minutes of each, just as it was just on TV today, as I was going through, like, coming downstairs, and I was working from home. Um, And then the second one, uh, Santa Claus has to find a wife, because if if there's no Mrs. Claus, you can't be Santa Claus anymore. And And in this one, Jack Frost wants to be Santa Claus, uh, to turn uh, the North Pole into like an amusement park, the Disneyland, basically, and just charge people billions of dollars to come there. Uh, that's his get-rich-quick scheme is to become Santa Claus and do that. So he needs to get Tim Allen to stop being Santa Claus so he can take over Santa Claus. Yeah. So there you go. There's your rundown of two and three. That's where, they, right. go. That's where they went with it. <laughs> that's where they went with it. Got it. See, no problems like this when we talk about the SantaCon, no problems. There's not going to be however to go from it from here. We that we put the end on it, and that's it. It's over. Next project. Yeah. No. We'll have like a that. publicist once in a while rumor like a, a sequel just to get people buzzing, just to get people talking about it. And yeah, that's fair. Never yeah. pull the trigger. Never. By the way, Tim Allen obviously started off as a stand-up comedian. Yeah, serious resume, man. Like, and I'm I'm kind of indifferent on Tim Allen. Like, he's not the funniest guy in the world, but he's he's all right. He's yeah. Serviceable, he serviceable str- man he, off the bench. He had a stretch. He definitely, not, definitely got the guy. most out of his ability. Yeah, '90s guy. Yeah, especially Toy, for guys. I mean, Toy Story. He's a Buzz yeah. Lightyear. Yeah, Buzz is huge. Yep. Um, obviously, the Santa Claus we just talked about. 
uh, home, uh, we talked about, we said, um, what do you call it? Two sitcoms, Home Improvement, which I watched in the 90s, yeah. and the other one that he does, uh, I think it just got canceled or something, but that apparently had a good run and a good following. Definitely a guy who got the most out of his ability. Home Improvement, man, where you had uh, Pam Anderson in her, in her early days as, uh, what was her name? What Heidi. Was it, were they both she was the, uh She was the first or second Heidi. I forget. Because there was a brunette Heidi when Pam Anderson left. Yeah, when, she got too big, when Pam Anderson became bigger than the whole show, she left. Uh, yeah, she got way too big for home improvement really fast. Oh, Hi- Deb Dunning was the second Heidi. Also very nice. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, pa- Pam was Pam, though. And that was like Pam's peak. That was before like all the surgeries and stuff. It was after one surgery, but before all the other surgeries. And of course, Richard Carn. Richard Carn, of course. Carnage, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never had a problem with Tim Allen. Good run. Yeah, he was, you know, he's all right. I'm just giving him more credit for what he was able to do in his, in his career. I mean, that's pretty serious for a guy who starts off as a comedian. That's. I mean, to me, like the best comedian, the most famous comedian in terms of like celebrity, like the heights that he reached, is Eddie Murphy. That's yeah, for, for off the top of my head. The right time, the right place, and just blew up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the guy did Nutty Professor. He played all those roles. Like he was just, he could do everything. And that was after he was. That was after his peak, probably too. Oh yeah, that was like probably when he was on his way, kind of out of yeah. the business. Yeah, and still, and still, great. Those movies are great. Doctor Doolittle, uh, Doctor Doolittle's. Yeah, Bowfinger. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a great run. See, when uh, I feel like when you're an actor or like an aspiring actor, comedian that wants to be an actor, something like that, when you hit on one of these franchises, like hitting on Toy Story, that's that's a job for life. Now, you're Buzz Lightyear forever. Yeah. And I know that I, did, I know the fourth one's probably the last one, but I mean, how much money do you make off like merchandising? And he's they have you doing voiceovers for like a little TV show. You get paid for that, right? You get up and little toys. You paid for that. Like there's it's just everything. It's money pouring in. I feel like that's not like hitting the lottery. So I'm sure I'm sure you're not like set financially for life, but that is a nice piece of what you need to make to live a comfortable life, right there. Uh, I think it's like hitting the lottery. Just hitting Being Buzz Lightyear. Is that is is every? Could you? Hmm. You put all like the merch sales, man. You're getting a piece of that. I don't know how much he. I don't know how much you made, but I, yeah, I guess you're probably set for life. Yeah, I guess you don't need to really work any do anything else if you hit one of those. Right, and then that's why that's why it's incredible that he doesn't only have that. We've got the Santa Claus tril- uh, trilogy. It's three, you said. <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus. And he's got and he's got two hit sitcoms. One of which I've never really seen, but I heard people like it. <laughs> Let's see. What's I forget what it's called. He plays like a conservative dude that lives in Colorado. Uh, Last man standing. It's kind of like Tim Allen. It's kind of like Tim Allen if he wasn't famous. <laughs> <laughs> last right. man, yeah, last man standing. That's it. So this is. I feel it's a little creepy to do this, but. Tim Allen for Toy Story One made fifty thousand dollars. So he got a nice raise because it was a huge success. 
Right. So okay. In return for Toy Story 2, we received $5 million. <laughs> I mean, I can make $5 million work if I invest it right. And then for Toy Story 3, he made $22 million. Yeah. That's Powerball. Yeah. Forget the lottery. It's Powerball. Yeah. So I don't going to have four here, but yeah, that's a nice chunk of change. How much did John Ratzenberg make is the question. <laughs> he, I, he better be taken care of. <laughs> did you know, uh, this is, okay. I don't know. I'll go, I don't want to go down this, this route, but Tom Hanks waived his actor's fee for Forrest Gump in lieu of percentage points. So you got a you got a, you got a piece of the action of what they made at the box office, and he made forty million dollars off it. <laughs> wow! Imagine taking that kind of risk. Be like, no, nah, no, nah, don't bother cutting me a check. Wait until wait until the wait until it comes in. And he went. Hanks went back to back that year at the Oscars. He won for Philadelphia the year before, and then I think he won for Forrest Gump. His run that that nineties run was incredible. Yeah, that night's run was in fucking Cooper Cup. That night's run was in, incredible. What with Apollo Creed, Forrest Gump, uh, and uh, Philadelphia, and then oh yeah, I'm a huge Hanks guy. It's yeah. probably because of those. I had like all those movies on uh, VHS. Sure, yeah. Hanks is great. The, that nineties, I don't know if Patient anything, Zero, man, a COVID, it was one of the first. That's right. Yeah, he's gonna do the COVID movie too. I'm sure. <laughs> well, uh, the COVID movie is going to be terrible. Yeah, Hank will not take that. I mean, if you're going to run out and watch a movie about COVID, I'm just going to be happy it's fucking over. I mean, it's never going to be true, officially yeah. over, but I'm just going to be happy not to think about it anymore pretty soon. I got to run out and watch a fucking movie. This, this run is unbelievable. Thanks. A, oh. a League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Toy Story. <laughs> and then, yeah. And they use it in a couple of like, TV shows and stuff on, along the way. But, you know, t- he's just doing like a favor at that point. And after Toy Story, uh, That Thing You Do, Saving Private Ryan, You've Got Mail, Toy Story 2, The Green Mile, Castaway. What? Crush it. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a murderer, man. He crushed the night. It's un- Unbelievable run. You can't match that run. All right. And then he's just cranking them all out one after the other. Yeah. It's not like he's going like every three or four years. He's cranking out like an awesome movie. This is like some of them are coming out the same year. It's like boom, 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 boom. Incredible. Yeah. It's yeah the opposite of uh, Daniel Day-Lewis who's waiting. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. It's not like Daniel Day-Lewis who makes yeah. a movie every seven years. Yeah. Hanks is just cranking out two, three a year, it feels like. Yeah. Wild. That's yeah, ridiculous. All right. Well, went off on a nice tangent there, movie-wise. If any, uh, so we're not adding Gremlins to the uh, the. If it's on, would you, ever, would you ever put it on? If it was your, if you're scanning, and you got like the last half hour, I don't know the last half hour is even the best half hour. I don't. I don't know. Maybe the, the last. Hour. I'm not watching it from the beginning. Maybe the last twenty minutes. Maybe. All right. All right. It all. It all depends on what's on. You know. Like, there's. My my brain is all over the place when I'm scanning, you know, channels. Last night I found Reservoir Dogs from the beginning. End up watching the whole thing, you know, ten o'clock. It's just I saw I saw it on and I purposely didn't stop. I'm like, if I put it on, I'm not turning it off. I was like, I can't. I, did. I, mean, I was I, I dozed off a couple of times. I'll be honest, but I hung in there. 
<laughs> fought my way through. <laughs> it's a good one, man. It's a good one. <laughs> it's not a B minus or whatever that goofball said it was. Or no, oh, C minus. <laughs> Fucking guy. Yeah, Tarantino before he had money, man. It was great. I think it's. I think it might be my favorite one. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I love them all for the most part. But Reservoir Dogs is like my favorite of them all because it's because it's it lacks a little that production that you get when you have a, you know, a few bucks to to play with. Yeah, some well, he, directors once they get a few bucks in their pocket, they go uh, a little over the top. Yeah, he, I have no problem with what he did. He gets the money, he can do whatever he wants. Um, but I, I just think like to see what he was able to do with a tiny budget. And just you know, play in that world without without having the money to to go nuts. Very minimalist. I, I love that movie. It's good. Yeah. And plus, I mean, I, you could say that he had Buscemi and Keitel and Madsen, and of course, you're gonna make a good movie. That that helps a lot. Have a cast like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, it's he didn't have all heavy hitters though, but he did uh, have more than. Uh, Probably had more than your average like indie director making his yeah. first movie. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean those are all kind of indie type guys, though. I mean, not, none of them are major box office superstars. Yeah, Buscemi wasn't that big of a name by then. But he's an indie he, guy. He's like he was, he's always doing like small budget type movies just because they're good movies, you know. Yeah, it's fair. Kaitel was, you know, he's in big movies, but he was never like the like a movie star. Yeah. Tim Roth, he was a young guy at the time. Who's the closest thing to a movie star? It's probably Keitel, though. Probably Keitel, yeah. Mean Streets, Bad Lieutenant. No, Bad Lieutenant was actually maybe a year after that. Right around the same time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, just, those are. I feel like those are all these kind of guys that run within similar type circles. Indie, movie, just trying to find a good job type acting. Yeah, so they're all nice pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, not a movie star. Maybe Buscemi might be the, the movie star amongst the bunch. We've done a few, uh, well, I don't know. It was, 90, it was early 90s, so not, not really. Well, definitely. going forward, he probably had the yeah. best career of those guys. Yeah. All right, we'll do Reservoir Dogs uh, sometime else. Week 14 picks coming up. Last week I was 2-1. and one. My co-host was 2-1. and one. I'll throw it to you. If you want to get us started. Yeah, let's get rolling. Um, all right, my first game, I'm going to go uh, road, uh, road favorite. Green Bay's going to Detroit. Aaron Rodgers owns the Lions. It's a great record against the Lions. He plays Always plays great in December. Uh, they're seven and a half point favorites. I don't see Detroit putting up much of a fight. I think they're done. Uh, I know Green Bay could disappoint us from time to time. I don't think he's going to do it in Detroit this weekend. Nice and easy. Aaron Rodgers by more than a, by more than a touchdown and a half, or no, not a touchdown and a half because that would be touchdown and a half would be ten and a half, right? 
Yeah. Uh, so not a touchdown and a half, uh, by more than a touchdown, 0.5. Uh, Green Bay, game one. There you go. All right, pick number one. Had a tough time this week. It's, this is what it's going to be like going forward. It's just going to be impossible. I don't like picking teams. I don't like picking games where it's two bad teams, but you know you have a handful of those late in the season. All right. I don't know who's playing quarterback for your team this week, but I think they got a little something going. And this is, I like, as much as I like what I see out of the Giants, I hate more what I see out of the Cardinals. And this is the anti-Cliff Kingsbury pick. (laughs) I'm taking the Giants plus two and a half. I know if Colt McCoy plays in this game, he's going to burn me. I already, I've already recited to that fact. I just like what the Giants defense is doing. I'm not sure Kyler Murray's healthy. You know, road, uh, West team traveling East. Weather could be a factor. I think the Cardinals are in a little bit of free fall. Uh, I don't think the Giants' offense is really great. I think the Cardinals will probably be able to get some pressure on them. Could be a low-scoring game. But the Giants' D is playing well. I think this will be an old-school classic low-scoring game. Uh, and I think the Giants are going to win. I wish it was the full three. But I'll take the Giants plus two and a half. Okay. I'm going to keep it in the Northeast for my second pick, Ant. Uh, we talked about this on Monday, I believe. We, we, we think – I think we came to a conclusion that New Orleans might be made for the first time in the Drew Brees era to play in a cold-weather uh, city, in a cold-weather game. They're going to have that on Sunday against a shitty Philadelphia Eagles team. Uh Cold, rain, I don't know. They're favored by six and a half, but Philly is a disaster. They're throwing out a sacrificial lamb and Jalen um, Jalen Hurts uh, against this defense. They're going to they're gonna be all over them. Jalen Hurts did not look great in his uh, limited time this past weekend. Uh, New Orleans, they'll, they'll be able to take care of him, and they'll be, they're going to run the ball all over the field. They're gonna, they're, it's going to be Taysom. It's going to be Kamara. Even if Thomas gets, you know, his hand on a few passes, he'll, he'll run, go a few miles. Uh, New Orleans, not even close in Philadelphia Sunday, game number two. All right. I was saving this for pick number three. But this is going to be the plug-your-nose special. <laughs> the going back to my old ways that got me into a little bit of trouble, home underdogs. <laughs> But I'm going head-to-head, and I'm going with the Eagles getting six-and-a-half here. All right. Eagles haven't covered a game in over a month. I mean, unless you count that Richard Rodgers, Hail Mary, but it depends kind of where you got it. Some people had it at five, five-and-a-half, six, six-and-a-half, whatever. I think Hurts is going to give them a spark. All, listen, all signs point to the same. This is a pure contrarian play. There's nothing I could really point to here that say, hey, I like what the Eagles are doing or I dislike what the Saints are doing. It's a pure contrarian play. The one thing I have going for me is I think Hurts may actually give them a spark. I mean, these guys playing behind Wentz these, this past – well, no, forget the past month, the whole year. I mean, it's got to be so discouraging. That guy looks – he's the, I mean, he's the worst quarterback in football right now. Absolutely terrible. So I think Hurts will actually give him a little something. And this is going to be Philly's last stand. I think they lose. I'm not going to pick them outright. I think they lose. think like 24-20. But I think they're in this game, and it's like their last stand, their last, you know, real crack at uh, 
you know, making some noise this year. It'll be they're they're dead anyways, but this will be like their official death this this week. But I think they lose a heartbreaker again. Twenty four twenty Saints win, Eagles cover. All right, all right. If I can counter your counter, I think Philly's mm-hmm. a little banged up too. I mean, the offensive line's banged up, defense is banged up. They're terrible. Yeah, yeah. So injuries abound. But all right, head to head. I'll see. You, I'll see you on Sunday in the right. pit. Uh, third pick. Let's see. Might I really pick three road teams? That's what I have circled. Uh, no, you have this. Oh yeah, Saints. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I don't understand why San Francisco is favored on Sunday. I don't get it. I don't understand the disrespect that Washington's getting. Um. It, it it baffles it baffles me. I know they're coming off a big win against Pittsburgh, and you're looking for like a little letdown here, going east to west. I just I just feel like Washington's playing better than San Francisco playing right now. Uh, I think the, the the book is out in San Fran to stop the run and make Nick Mullins throw it. And what what can Washington do? Washington can stop the run, and they can make a bad quarterback throw it. And they have a, they have very good defense playing really well right now. San Fran, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not buying the revival. We talked about that on Monday as well. We're not buying that, you know, Mostert and Debo is gonna, uh, gonna re, rejuvenate this team. I just, I don't see it. Um, I, I just think Washington goes in there. I'm not sure that they win outright, but it's, it's gonna be close. Maybe down to last possession. Maybe a kick to, to win it at the end. Um, Maybe we see overtime. I don't know. It's, it's going to be close, though, and in a close game, I want the better team, and I think Washington's that team. So it's going to be Washington getting four in San Fran. Okay, Washington getting four. Yeah, that's what I got it at. What do you got it at? Give me another point. What do you got? I got it three. I'll split the difference and give you three and a half. All right. Well, I'll put it at three and a half. Did that one time before, and I think I, I would have lost either way when that when we did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So pick number three. Couple games I was looking at. Again, I don't like taking uh, games late in the season where it's two bad teams playing. There's a lot. There's a few games that Bears Texans. I lean Bears, but I'm not taking that game. Denver Carolina. I lean Carolina because I think Denver. Similar to the Raiders a few weeks ago, kind of shot their load something night against the Chiefs, kind of like what the Broncos did. Now they have a left-down spot. Mm. Uh, what else? We got Dallas, Cincinnati, no field. That's Don't play that game. No, Don't watch no. that game. Jesus Christ, no. Uh, Falcons, Chargers, that's another game. Four o'clock, there's plenty of other better games. on. I would lean Chargers only because I think the money's on the Falcons because they're playing a little bit better. Yeah. So that's when you kind of either, – either one of those teams is going to fuck you. So wherever the money is, go the opposite. Uh, and then I'll say this about the – I'm not picking either primetime game, but, you know, you have Buffalo hosting Pittsburgh, Cleveland hosting Baltimore. You're really going to miss fans in those uh, in those spots. Buffalo yeah. would have been fired up for that game. You know, Pittsburgh, number one seed. And then Cleveland, obviously, you know, playing the team that stole their franchise <laughs> with a chance to kind of like knock them back kind of out of the playoff race. Um, so I, I mean, I had a trouble finding a third I, and I kind of like the Colts too, but I just can't stomach betting rivers on the right. Cause I know rivers will burn me if I take them, but I just feel like their defense is good. And Vegas is terrible. So I'm breaking another one of my rules. 
I haven't been able to bet against this team because they've actually been playing a touch better. I mean, when I say a touch better, I mean a smidge. But it was uh, it was a good strategy early on in the year betting against this team. And I think down the stretch you're going to have to. I'm taking I'm laying the big number with Seattle, thirteen and a half. The Jets are dead. I mean, that was a joke last week. And I'll take this from a Seattle perspective too. If you don't hang at least thirty on the Jets and just you know stomp on their neck, forget about Super Bowl. Forget about making a run in January. You got to go out there and just murder this team. Okay. And I think we've kind of – the Jets have actually shown a little bit of a pulse recently. But early on in the year, I mean, it was you just bet against the Jets. That was the automatic lock of the year, lock of the week. I think playing out the stretch, you're gonna have to, we're going to have to go back to that because, I mean, if you, you saw last week, they just, they're, just not, they're not going to win a game. Yeah, I can't see it, you know. And who knows? I mean, I, the only way I see them covering this number is because I think Seattle scores 30 is if the Jets, you know, put up in the 20s. Against, and Seattle has a shitty defense, so it's very possible. They could hang around in this game, but I'm going to go under the assumption that Seattle could, uh, you know, turn it on for a quarter and a half in this game and still win by double digits. So I'm taking Seattle, pick number three, 13 and a half. There you have it, folks. There's your picks. I got uh, Green Bay favored by seven and a half on the road. New Orleans favored by six and a half on the road. Washington, three and a half point dogs on the road. I got three home teams. It's December. What could I say? Giants plus two and a half. Eagles plus six and a half. Seahawks minus 13 and a half. There you go. That's going to do it for Sunday Poor, the Gremlins edition. I'll be back here on Monday night during Baltimore, Cleveland. Until until then, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Yes, enjoy week 14. Man, I have, I just have fantasy karma staring me right in the face. For right, at. just this whole weekend is going to be a disaster. I'm going to give yeah. you. I'm going to give you your first win of the season. Go to the Sacco Bowl. Had a monster year. Couldn't win a game down the stretch to get. In the, I just needed to win one to get in the playoffs. Called you out in uh, the Thanksgiving post, as is my duty as the commissioner. And now I'm face. I'm head to head with you. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the fucking free pass to what should have been the most embarrassing season in history, but it's impossible to lose every game. So it is some, impo- it's almost impossible. So it's got it's gonna happen to some poor schmuck, and that <laughs> my poor schmuck just happens to be me. So uh, I was thinking about DPW. I was gonna mention that on the post show actually. All right, well this is post show. <laughs> um, we're five weeks out. Yep. I think the best, and I guess we'll have to talk. Uh, I don't know if we do a league vote for this or just kind of talk it out. I don't really think we need to do a vote. Yeah. I think the best approach would be to do a keg on like the first summer holiday, Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Kind of make it, you know, known to the le- to the league. Okay. You know what All I mean? Because right. it's just—it's. I don't know if it's—it's it's just we're not going to be able to actually do an official DPW on DPW. All right. Oh, well, I mean, part of it is a big part of it is up to you because you're hosting it. So. 
Yeah, and <laughs> also my kitchen is like being torn apart starting this weekend, so there's no guarantee I even have a kitchen, especially with the holidays coming up. Like it's just a lot going on, and I'm not even sure I'm gonna have a kitchen by then. Because even after everything's installed, you got to put the counters on, which yep. is like another like two or three weeks. So I don't even think I'm gonna have access under normal times to be able to host. Yeah. All right. Um, I might maybe I could, I'll raffle off a couple spots. Like, hey, come do a power hour <laughs> for DPW. Huh. We'll let like two or three people in. All right. <laughs> uh, so no trophy presentation this year at my house. We'll just Venmo people. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't. I didn't take any payments, so we'll figure out. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, so I said maybe somebody could accept on Facetime. Whoever the winner is. All right. One of the expansion teams. Shit. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. Stupid fucking sport. The fuck we do this to ourselves. It is stupid. Yeah. It just makes me so mad. It either it either brings me like tremendous joy because I could like rip on people who are in my position, or I'm just miserable because I'm the I'm the person in that position. I winning, mean, it's mostly miserable. Winning doesn't it brings me less joy than anything because like I'm never gonna do this again. So. Oh man, I got you in the Sacco Bowl. I got Murphy in the first round in that other in the Jersey League. Eking that one out. You can't got, let him. You can't let him win. I mean, it's like the, his his path is through his path to the championship. Who either beat me, and then he is Tommy, and like we're two of the most vocal people about him never winning shit. I mean, it's like set up perfectly for the narrative. Like, I, it's, fuck, it's, it's is that a six team six team playoff or four? Uh, six. Tommy's at the buy. Uh, two buys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have to win three in your position, three in a row to win it all. Yeah, doable. Yeah, it's tough to do. Doable. It is. I've, I've just, seen it. I've got to win. I've got to win the one, man. I got in. I've got to win the one, and then I'll, I'll worry about six seed. Uh, yeah, I am. I snuck in. Yeah, I've like the third most points in the league, and I snuck yeah. in the fucking six seed. Mikey Casino last year was a six seed and won it all. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I like the fact that it's head to head every week and shit, but uh, when we have that many points in a season, it really sucks. Like, when you're accustomed to like rotisserie sports, rotisserie baseball, and it's all point based. I mean, I like that it's head to head, but it's fucking frustrating when, you know, just you get the weeks where the, the other team outperforms you. You know, it's like you're losing 168 to 138 or something. Yeah, it's the only way to do it, though. Yeah, for Football. sure. Yeah. No, no, I know, but I, don't, I just never. I usually when I have a team that scores that much, I'm in the I'm in the playoffs pretty handily. And then I have these fucking two leagues, and it just didn't work out. Uh, I got in one, barely got in one, and this and this one, I just needed one down the stretch, man. I beat you th- four weeks ago, and then I have I just haven't put up ninety points since. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. It happens. Yeah, yeah, it sucks, man. You got me at the right fucking time. Cooper Cup. <laughs> Cooper Cup. Nah, we'll see. We'll see. It's. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I still got some decisions to make. I would have liked Cup to put up a dud tonight, make feel a little better. I have, I don't even know. I know he scored a touchdown, but I have no idea what the uh, actual points are right now. He got stopped at the one yard line earlier in the game. I know that. Oh yeah, I was watching that. I was pretty pumped with that. I was watching Rudolph. Did you watch Rudolph tonight? I did. 
Oh, we should have done that movie. We should have gone right from Gremlins to Rudolph. I mean, Cooper Cup's not really lighting the world on fire. He's got 13 yards receiving. Yeah, zero was what I was looking for. <laughs> By the way, this weekend, Sinatra's 105th, so pick up some at this store, all right? Jack Daniels. We got to drink some of this this weekend. That's where mm-hmm. I was in the city last year for uh, his birthday. It's at oh, Tony's. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'll do a martini. Maybe that's what I'll do on I'll do like a Sinatra night on Saturday. I'll do it's just a martini before dinner, wine with dinner, and then Jack the rest of the night. That's a night. That is a night. Yeah, it's not bad. That's what you do. <laughs> oh, all right, let me get this shit out. All right. I'll talk to you later, Ant. All right, see ya.